Welcome to the Halloween Unleashed Podcast. And now, here are your hosts for the week. Welcome everybody to Halloween Unleashed, and we are here part four of Marianne Hagen. I am your host, Chris Morgan, and back to the stage. Uh, he was so popular last week, we decided to bring him back, Mr. Aaron Bass. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing just fine, man. Thank you very much for asking. I do hope everybody out there is doing fine as well and is uh, as healthy as possibly can be. Uh, another week in lockdown paradise, am I right? Yeah, and, um, you know, I know she's going to be listening to this and for all those that have reached out and asked that have heard our story um i'm getting some real bad news about uh the psyche of of my dad right now he is just not happy apparently today he he couldn't figure out the house he was in why he was here um why he wasn't in his old house i guess he's forgetting that he moved and uh Apparently his wife was uh, telling me, he said, she said, you know, you guys have been in lockdown for over a month. You, we've been in lockdown for over a month. Um, neither one, neither family has the virus. So could just potentially come by a couple times a week. And I said, you know, if, if you're cool with it, I, I, I'm definitely cool with it. So I'm planning on going over there tomorrow and just uh, sitting down doing some very fun, casual occupational therapy type stuff to kind of help him out a little bit and maybe get his spirits up. But apparently he's been pretty depressed and, um, the Parkinson's is getting so bad in his legs where he's really having a hard time, even walking from his chair to the front door to the kitchen and back. And it's, it's getting that bad. So, um, we've got to come up with something, but yeah, I mean, lockdown has been hard, man. When you got, when you got uh, family that's going through ailments like that and you can't see them in the time that you want to see them, it, it's really, really tough. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, brother. I really, really am. As somebody that, uh, you know, that knows Big Daddy, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting him on more than one occasion. And, uh, you know, he's definitely one of a kind. And, uh you know, I, I know uh, I know from when he first started suffering with his ailments. I mean, I know you were, you know, you were one of the, I was one of the people that you, you know, you, you talked to and shared to about that. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that this entire this entire uh, you know sequence of events with you know quote unquote lockdown, I'm sure that has not you know helped to you know aid in his situation at all. So. No. You know, the, the good thing is we don't live in, you know, in a state with a dictatorial governor like Michigan, you know. So, hey, I mean, if you guys are healthy and they're healthy, you know, uh, to hell with uh, with the lockdown. And, you know, you got to go take care of your own, man. You go get yeah, go do what you got to do. And, you know, uh, I know it won't account to much, but, you know, just please let them know that, you know, uh, uh, friends, your friends that, you know, that have met him uh, wish him the very best and hope that he's doing well and, you know, wish that they were, you know, wish the circumstances were different so that, you know, they could see him again and give him a pat on the back and shake his hand and, you know, and, and say, Hey, say hello to him. Absolutely. Well, the most expensive 
thing that we have in this earth that we take for granted is time because that's one thing you can't buy more of. And, uh, you know, seeing the, just seeing the rapid decline that I, that I have seen, um, it, it's been, it's been tough. And knowing that you're, you got this, uh, this virus out there that is preventing, uh, all these good times, like they, they moved here in October and, uh, you know, right around mid November, uh, well, actually Thanksgiving weekend is when, uh, Jacob and, and, and Caitlin got sick. And it was like, from that point forward, we've been afraid to be around him because, you know, he's, uh, he just turned 79 years old and, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he's got a lot of health issues. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got compromised health, you know, situation himself. So, I mean, you don't want to bring anything to him that could, you know, make his, that could complicate his already complicated situation. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a tough call. It, It is. And it's like, you know, not that he's thinking about it, but I mean, I know I'm thinking about it. It's like, you know, we, we talked about all this time that we could have together when they moved over here. And it's just like, well, we haven't, it's been one thing after another, as soon as, as soon as we got better, well, then, uh, they got a little sick. And then as soon as they got better, we had a couple weeks here and there. And then all of a sudden this coronavirus took over our entire world. And it's, it's just been hard, man. And it's just, uh, it's been really frustrating, very frustrating. I I completely sympathize, man, such as life. I hate it all around. You know, life never stops coming at you. It never takes a day off, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Let's move on here. Let's get to today. Um, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about last week, dude. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you, man. You, you got a lot of really positive feedback, and um, people really loved the banter between you and I, and I, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that we've been friends for over six years and, you know, it's just, uh, it, it was just a natural fit to kind of have a conversation like that. And Marianne was happy as you, as you very much saw on, on the podcast page. So kudos to you, man. That was like, you were kind of like last minute decision th- threw you in the game and you came out there and you threw a couple hail hail marys and it looks like you end up winning the game so kudos well if anybody out there appreciates our our shenanigans and our back and forth banter uh uh you know it's more credit to you you know involving me and you know our relationship and just being able to play off each other you know we're we're very, very much best friends, and you know, we, you know, we, we share a, a ver, you know, a very, uh, we got, you know, we've got a good connection. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you know we have helped each other through. I'm not going to go into detail, but I mean, we have been there for each other. It's a very complicated times in our lives, and um, if anybody appreciates, you know, our shenanigans and back and forth banter out there, well, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, um, me being uh, a guest on your podcast, you know, I, the only thing I try to do is is try to add to, you know, to the environment and to the vibe and just, you know, I, the, that at the end of the day, the only thing that I can hope for is that, uh, you know, I can add something, you know, to uh, to the overall 
a new chapter that gets released every Friday that everyone can sit back and, you know, uh, pour a glass or pop a top and sit back and just, you know, and just enjoy, you know, in their spare time. Because, uh, like I said to you last week, you know, uh, this is very much, uh, you know, a credit to you because your, uh, you know, your efforts are, are bringing, you know, a whole new, uh, you know, a whole new storybook of, sto- you know, of uh, of tales that we as fans would not have otherwise have had purview to, you know, with Daniel and, and Marianne and, you know, everyone else that has come before them and has yet to come as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just appreciative for your efforts and uh, very much thank you for including me in on the fun because at the end of the day, I do have very much fun with it. You know, I love, uh, you know, I love our discourse and our back and forth. Always love chatting it up with you and, you know, and, and kicking back and just BS. And I very much feel like, you know, it's just a regular conversation for us. I agree. I agree. And uh, on that note, um, I'd like to officially invite you to be more part of the Halloween Unleashed brand to have you back more often, not just special guest spots here and there, but have you on, on a more regular basis. Uh, Brandon Zachman is uh, he and his his family. We're going to send some prayers out to them. Um, they're battling COVID-19 right now. So um, they actually have it. And that's why he hasn't been on the show. His wife ended up getting it and then he got it back. So he's out for uh, indefinitely at this point um, until we can, until we can figure out uh, what's going to go on there. So prayers to them. If you'd be willing to accept the invitation. Dude, it's an honor and a privilege. Anytime we get to hook up, whether it's in person, whether it's over the phone, you know, I always value uh, our conversations and our back and forth. <laughs> Even if we're just BSing about being in the NFC South basement, which lo and behold, does it feel like 2001, you know, coming into 2002 all over again with what's been happening here recently with the Bucks? But, uh, yeah, no, I'd love it, man. I, I'd love it. You know, I, I value all of our back and forth, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, personal or whether it's, you know, on a, on a platform and, and backdrop like we have here. And, uh, you know, if, if you'll have me and if everyone out there digs, uh, you know, digs our back and forth banter and our shenanigans, uh, you know, that's, that's great. You know, that's all I, all I want to be able to do, you know, uh, with this, you know, your podcast as a backdrop is, you know, hopefully be able to add something to it that, you know, that everybody can enjoy and just sit back and say, Hey, I, I had a good time, you know, giving that a listen, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's that's the only thing on my mind. Hey, did you enjoy it? If so, then I feel like, you know, I did a good job. Well, I, I feel like every time I do an episode, um, I forget to mention and that this needs to be mentioned. But, uh, you know, it's very easy to lose an audience. It's hard to build an audience, but it's it's very easy to lose momentum and lose an audience. And uh, once you do that it's really hard to get them back. And, uh, this Marianne Hagen series has continued to grow and part three. And, uh, we're doing this, um, on Wednesday night, two days before this episode airs on the 24th. So we're on the 22nd. Uh, we've had just, just over 2000 downloads. So there's 2000 
people that are continuing to tune in every single week. And that is just a credit to them. Um, we, we thank our listeners. Um, we are so thankful for people tuning in to hear these stories and to get a, a dose of what this podcast is about. And hopefully even outside of these interview series and we get back into discussing our favorite uh, serial killer on the big screen um, and masks and those stories and, you know, the various things that we do on this podcast, hopefully they'll continue to tune in for that stuff as well, because without those people, we don't have a show. So we want to thank each and every single one of you. We want to thank everybody that um, has donated to the podcast so that uh, we can keep the lights on. So we, so we thank you. And uh, to, to wrap this little comment up, a lot of people have been wondering, hey, how come we don't hear any, uh, any uh, ball shaver advertisements? How come we don't hear any blue chew to get your dick hards every week? Well to, be, <laughs> well, to be honest, man, in these last four weeks, because we've had so many people donate to the podcast, I've been able to run these ad free and you don't have to hear about Nick and Nick and her snagging your nuts, you know, so that's been a good thing. Yeah, we can leave the manscaping on the sidelines for the time being. For the time being, for the time being. But we, we definitely appreciate those that, that did sign up to be a sponsor, uh, that did sponsor the podcast through the Anchor app. I mean, we just, we absolutely thank you uh, for all of that. Well, let's go ahead. Let's not keep everybody uh, waiting. Let's jump into today's episode, and we will be back during intermission. Absolutely. Let's do it, man. I know that he and I hadn't talked about it. It just wasn't ever a thing. Well, why, why did he leave? You know what? Um, it was never fully explained to me um, or anyone else. Um, you know, like, we were all very young actors, and uh, it was our first movie, like our first big thing. And so we had no power or authority. So it's not like we could march over to the director or the producer and put our hands on our hands and say, why the f*** is Daniel Farron's leaving? I want him on set. What, what's going on? Right. I mean, you know, we couldn't do that. We didn't have that authority. We just didn't have, you know, anyone who's been an actor knows when you're young and you have no, you know, no, you know, very little experience, and you certainly, you know, just, you're not a star yet. You have no power to make anything happen. And we were all too scared to ask, I think. But, I mean, if you want me to speculate, which is what people do on CNN 24 hours a day, something is happening right speculate right what i can can guess is that uh daniel was just too smart and um you know i think it may maybe felt maybe joe chappelle feel a little uh intimidated 
because he didn't have the knowledge of the Halloween series like Dan did. And um, maybe that became an issue. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but that's what I always speculated that um, maybe Joe felt, felt like his authority was being challenged. Um, uh, he didn't have any authority because he he didn't know anything about the Halloween series or the franchise. And Daniel, as you know, he literally wrote the Bible. Absolutely. Um, right. He wrote the Bible. And, I mean, that's exactly what I would go to him about. Like, so tell me about Sam Hain. Because, by the way, this was before the Internet. Sure. It's not like you could Google all of these things. And like Daniel, you know, I'm really cerebral. And I really want to understand things and study them. And I, I just didn't have the time to go to the library and look up stuff. We didn't have computers. We didn't have laptops. Like, this was 1994. Isn't that amazing to think of that? Like, before we could Google anything we wanted? Like, Sam Haynes, Thorn, this, that, the next thing. I mean, that's why there was a scene. I was very disappointed it was cut out, but Daniel wrote where Kara goes into the library of the community college she's going to, and she gets on a computer. Wow. A computer, believe it or not, like in the library, and you see her researching the symbol of thorn and champagne and what all these things mean, and then connecting, trying to connect the dots. And that scene had to be, uh, you know, it just was ripped out of the script because of, uh, you know, the issues. And uh, everything had to be changed, changed and switched around. And, I mean, that's what people don't understand about making a movie. There's so many variables. Absolutely. Um, I I want to back up a second and I want to, um, for those out there listening that may not know, I I know that you know this. um, I've worked on a lot of sets myself. So I want to give my opinion on, and and you heard me sort of touch on it um, in his interview where uh-huh. I was like, you know, you were on set. That is like unheard of for a writer to be on the set because if writers are very passionate about their work and when you have producers and directors changing things or directing it in a way that they didn't envision in their script, that could become a pretty dicey situation. And I've been in situations like that before. So my opinion is, is, and and you heard it. He was not afraid to speak his mind. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion. Now, again, he's never talked to me about this. This is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think maybe people just finally got to say, look, 
the writer's on set. He's got to go. He's causing too many problems. And because I've physically, I've watched that happen on other sets before. So I would, yeah. it would not be out of the realm of possibilities if that actually happened where somebody got pissed off, got, got offended and said, we, we got to get this guy out of here. Um, my, my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, uh, if I didn't, if I was being too diplomatic in my earlier response, I apologize, but that's basically what I meant. I mean, um, I think that Daniel is brilliant and, uh, it was his, you know, his first big movie and he was passionate about it because he had an encyclopedic knowledge of the script uh, of the whole series the script he wrote, he knew exactly how it should go down, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And people got, e- there was egos involved. Uh, you know, it was very, very disappointing when he was no longer on the set in Salt Lake City during, you know, the original shoot. Sure. Now, um, you rented all of the Halloweens to kind of get research from Blockbuster, uh, which yeah. for, for those listening that don't know what VHS is, just throw it in your Google machine and look it up. You know, it, it'll tell you the whole thing. I mean, were you a fan of the series before you knew like what you were really getting into? I mean, uh, tell us a little bit. About- well, can I, um, I, I, can I tell you a story about seeing the original Halloween um, in the movie theaters the week it came out? No, you, abs- no you absolutely cannot. Absolutely you can. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> Please do. So I was, um, I guess, in, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, and my sister, who was in high school, was going to... To this movie theater in our town where we grew up with um, her teenage boyfriend, you know, who was also in high school. And she, she let me come. And I was just so overwhelmed with, I was giddy. I was so excited that I was like getting to go with like the teenagers to see a movie. We were driving my parents Chevrolet Malibu Classic, um, and or my sister was driving it. I was not. Um, and after the movie, and we were stunned. I mean, you know the final frame of Halloween one. I mean, it just takes your breath away. Well, it it um, it, it, it it wasn't a needle on the floor laying next to a mask. I, you know, I'll definitely say that. Anyway, continue. It was it was not that yet. <laughs> Um, because you're like, oh, thank God, he's he's, he's dead, and then, oh my God, he's dead, he's gone. I mean, we were totally freaked out. So we're sitting in the parking lot of the movie theater, and I'm in the back seat, and my sister Christine is in the the driver's seat. She's got her knees up on the steering wheel, and the boy that she was dating at the time, Stephen Crane. Hi, Stephen Crane, if you're out there. We still remember you. 
And he was sitting in the passenger seat, and we were talking about the movie because we were so freaked out by it. And we're just talking, or they were talking, and I was trying to get a word in, but I was like, you know, six years younger and a loser. And I'm in the back seat, and I'm trying to get a word in, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the windshield washer start going crazy, back and forth, back and forth. And we screamed, we screamed, <laughs> we jumped out of the car. We were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's happening? And then my sister Christine was like, oh, I guess my leg slipped off the steering wheel and hit the windshield wipers, and it started wiping back and forth. But we didn't know that at the time, and we, we, we were so terrified by the ending of that movie and by the whole movie, but by the ending, which is like, oh, good, the, the bad guy is dead. And then <gasps> he's, he's not. Evil is everywhere. Right. Evil lives on. And you can't kill it and you can't beat it with a stick. Can't, you know... Uh, or a lead pipe. Or, <laughs> by the way... I'm an asshole, sorry. <laughs> a lot of people like me for the beating him with a lead pipe that was made of styrofoam. Um, but that was in the reshoots, uh, yeah. as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so it's, it has such an indelible mark on me because, like, teenage sister and her teenage boyfriend and how does the movie start with the teenage girl having you, you know you know what with her teenage boyfriend mm-hmm. and Michael Myers walking in on it mm-hmm. right yeah so um it's uh I mean, it's just a memory I'll never forget. And then I saw Halloween 2 on the TV. They actually showed it on TV. I don't know how or what, but, you know, it was shown as like, you know, a midnight movie. And I saw Halloween 2 on on TV at home. But I, I never forgot that experience. So when I got the audition... I was like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is the Halloween that, oh my gosh, that I went to see with my sister and her boyfriend and, oh my God. And I had not kept up with three and four and five. So, um, but also you need to remember that I'd seen Halloween one and two years before. Right. Um, I mean, there was a lot of years in between, so I did need to to study up as much as I could. Well, um, have you seen four and five? I mean, obviously, you did on on VHS. And it, mm-hmm. what were what were your opinions of four and five compared to the ones that you saw years prior? Oh. Gosh, Chris, come on. I mean, I think, you know, obviously 
Halloween one is known to be a masterpiece. Right. Um, and I'm sure Halloween four and five, if they don't measure up to being a masterpiece, they probably had similar problems on the set that we had. Five, Um, five, definitely for sure. Um, and I, I know I've stated this many times, Four was the last one that stayed in, I think, in that in that vibe, in that tone with the first two. But, um, uh-huh. you know, six was definitely the first one to be different, which that's that's what I loved. But uh, five was just it was just bad. And I, I know there's people out there that are fans of it. I'm not shitting on their opinion. I just. Mm-hmm. It was just a bad movie, you know. It just was not good. You know, I don't. Um, I only saw it a couple of times back when I was trying to study uh, for uh, doing this role. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm not a horror movie fanatic, so I don't. I don't have that knowledge of all of the series, you know. Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Um, I just, I don't know a lot of things. That's why Daniel was so important. Sure. Because also Paul didn't know either. And, you know, I don't think many people in the cast had a great knowledge of the genre or this particular series. And that's why it was so important to have Daniel on the set. And that's why when he left, it was, you know, I, I mean, I was crying, literally. Um, and, uh, you know, Daniel went on to win that whole thing. I mean, he's just gone on to just be brilliant and successful as a director and a writer and, you know, jokes on them. Sure. No, I mean, and... But, I, you know, I don't think he even thinks about it now. I think he, he pretty much uh, said that in his interview with you, that, it, you know, it was, like, long ago, and, you know, what what was done was, was done, and there's nothing you can do to change it. Yeah, he, I mean... All of you got to see firsthand what the what the business side was like for sure, and that's uh, yeah. But yeah, but speaking exactly. of the business, speaking of the business side, I, I do want to get back on this. Um, and feel free to be as honest as you want to be on this. But uh, you stated on the Twenty Five Years of Terror documentary. Um, that you were told that the producers at Miramax felt that your chin was too pointy and that you were too thin <laughs> for the record, which all of us think otherwise, by the way, I but, but so hearing that had to be hurtful, right? Welcome to intermission. All right. We are back. And, uh, Aaron, did, did you, um, did you enjoy your, your, your break? You know, did, did you get enough time to go 
as Hulk Hogan said in No Holds Barred, bleed, bleed the old lizard. Did you get a chance to get all that out of your system? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I didn't have to do that because my glass right here is still sitting very much half full. Um, but, um, yeah, from the glass I had previously, I guess I did sound come off sounding very much like that guy in intermission. <laughs> yeah, good times, man. Well, um, we got to hear the first 20 minutes um, of Marianne's part four. I know I have a few things written down that I walked away with, but I always like to open it up with, with the guests of the week to kind of tell us their initial thoughts and comments. Maybe it's easier for you and I to sit here and say this because we're fans, but, you know, even Marianne, you know, recognize that, you know, hey, this is Halloween, okay, and there's a legacy here, and Joe Chappelle, you know, uh, uh, feeling his authority was challenged, which he, you know, out of her own mouth, she, I mean, he had no authority, Tell me how you are doing the movie that you're supposed to be, you know, directing. Tell me how you're doing that movie any justice. Okay, if you're unfamiliar with the series or the franchise, familiarize yourself with it. Okay? That's called doing your job. If I could interject there, um, you know, part of his deal of doing Halloween six was this three picture deal with Miramax that he had lined up lined up. So, um, he was more or less their bitch boy. <laughs> you know, he would have, he would have jumped through hoops. And, um, she said, uh, she per, pronouns, pal. Um, uh, Marianne said, uh, in her own words that she has no proof of this, that Joe felt that his authority was challenged from Dan. And that's why Dan was, left the set she has no clue uh doesn't know but you know that was just kind of the vibe i guess that she got from the set i i if i'm recalling her words correctly if i didn't i do apologize no you are no Uh, you are and you know i believe me if i was dan and i very much his passion very much uh came across in his interviews for you know the story that that he authored and it very much should have, because, you know, when Marianne gets into the part where she's talking about the scene uh, where Kara goes to the library to do the research on the thorn right. symbol and Sam Hain. That could have and been an here, amazing scene. Yeah, and that kind of goes back into what, you know, what I mentioned before we went, uh, before the first part of the interview aired. Uh it reinforces the idea that Daniel had crafted this, you know, this very beautiful uh, step-by-step story that just got butchered. Because when she said that, the first thing I thought of was, well, wait a minute, because I've got all I've got all the movies, you know, even the most recent one, I've got them memorized in my head. So immediately when I heard her say that, I thought, well, when when that part comes around. How did she get that information? Okay, well, in the theatrical release of the movie, she got that information when in the you know in the in the late evening or nighttime when uh, Tommy Doyle 
is sitting there and he's pulling up the Thorn symbol on his computer and he's sharing that knowledge with her. Okay, well, uh, that doesn't really lend credence to the thought that, okay, it's going to be that late at night and that far along in the movie. That's really not going to allow Kara enough time at that point in the movie and that you know, in the sequence of events to be able to go to the library to start that research. So sure. to me, that kind of says, hey, you know what? I bet you the way it was originally written, that information was shared with Kara Strode by Tommy, by Tommy Doyle. Uh, no, um, sorry, I, I don't mean inter- to interject. I just... Uh, no, go ahead. At, at the school when... Um at the college when she's getting out of the car, walking across the lawn, this is in the producer's cut and in the theatrical. Uh, it's where her brother Tim goes, <laughs> I think it's cool. Like for the Beavis and Butthead thing. And there's a picture that I guess Danny drew that has a picture of Thorne and the symbol and stuff. So that's her first indication that something's going on there. And so when her, she was talking about that scene being cut Tells me that when she got on campus, she probably went to the campus library at that point. And there's a scene in um, in the producer's cut where she's walking through campus uh, to the Lori's theme. And then mm-hmm. when she stops and she feels like she's being watched, she looks around the campus. And then when she turns around, the shape steps into frame from like he's watching her. So it could have been right there where she's going to the library and that that was just cut. So um, I have a feeling that that's probably where that scene would have been. And that was during the day. So tells me that when they rewrote that, um, that scene with Tommy was probably added on as a, Hey, we won't do it with Kara doing it at the school. It would make sense for, Tommy Doyle to because he's studying the black arts and the history and all this stuff with Michael Myers, it would probably make more sense that he has all this information stored. So, so we'll just, we'll just insert this type of scene later on through him. And that's probably how it played out. Obviously. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of us will ever know unless someone, you know, Paul Rudd, are you listening? Do you happen to have something, you know, saved up under your bed somewhere, you know, an original <laughs> script? That'd be nice, because well, if not, then unfortunately we're never going to know. You know, when she said that, the first thing I thought of was, well, when she returns home to her house and she finds, you know, uh, Tommy and Steven and Danny in Danny's room, yeah. it could have taken place, that, or, you know, and then they, they, they go across the street and they basically hold up in Tommy's room. I mean, that's still an early part of the day. And that's where I was, you know, starting to think, hey, you know what, if I was writing this story, or even, you know, my, my version, my interpretation of events, that's where I could very easily see, you know, the character Tommy Doyle working in, you know, sharing the knowledge of his research and what he had come upon, you know, once they get back over to his room where it's still daytime and still early afternoon. And then she's like, hey, well, you know what? Uh, You guys stay here. You know, Danny, be good. Mommy's got something, you know, she needs to go do real quick. And she runs back to the college. I I only I only say that because, believe me, I'm very familiar with the producer's cut as well. Uh, Lawrence Sam May, thank you very much for sending me that producer's cut back in the day when you did. I uh, very much covet it and appreciate it. And uh, I'm very familiar with that scene that you referenced. Uh, 
And, you know, just from when I heard her, uh, when I, when I heard her offering on that and, and, and how it was cut out, uh, I thought, well, even with that sequence of events and, you know, and with, uh, with Danny's picture, I was like, you know, if I'm a mom or if I'm a dad, I'm, you know, just a kid, even if they're kind of disturbing images, you know, I'm not going to think, you know, Hey, let's go research this like symbol. I'm not going to like take, Hey, that this symbol that my, that my six year old is putting down on his, on his disturbing piece of artwork here. I'm not going to think anything more of that, that that's something that I should go research, you know, in, in the library, you know, ancient ruins wise and, you know, and affiliate any, anything like after that. But after I go and I had this conversation with Tommy Doyle about the Myers history and, and everything that he's come about. And, oh, by the way, this symbol that just so happens to be something he's researched happens to appear in my six-year-old boy's, you know, artwork. Yeah, that's going to prompt me to go want to go back to the library and do some research on exactly what the hell might be going on here. So, I mean, that's, that's how I, you know, envisioned, you know, uh, the script originally playing out. And like I said, however it played out, it just goes back to reinforce the fact that what we ended up seeing, theatrical release-wise, was nowhere near what we were supposed to have been seeing. Right on. Um, you know, maybe this is something that we can save and ask her on the live show that she's going to join us on after the series is over. We're going to set a date yet. And that's something I'm going to, by the time this part four airs, um, I will have already probably asked and set, set up a time. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously put it out there in our social media channels, but, uh, you know, hopefully next week for those that aren't on our page, which is about 1600 people are not on our page. Um, uh-huh. is I want to be able to use the airwaves here to be able to, uh, announce when that date is going to be so hopefully we can break the internet that night yeah no that would be great because there's an even deeper question that i would love to hear both daniel and marianne's answer to and that question is hey hindsight being 2020 let's save it <laughs> let's save oh, it. okay jot it down you don't you don't <laughs> want you don't want someone to hear that and then do a call in that night and steal your thunder because somebody will so save it um you know the the she was making mention uh also about how she prepares and how she reads a script and how cerebral she gets and like you were mentioning about her like her taking ownership and of, of her craft last week and she really paint, painted the picture on on how she prepares for a character and when she goes all in man she goes really all in so uh did you pick up on that as well absolutely uh i picked on it very very plainly because uh yeah i mean she she went all in and that's the way it should be i mean you should devote yourself to your craft you should devote yourself uh not just for uh the benefit of your audience but just for you know the sake of saying that hey i went all in you know i gave you know as much study and as much you know deep thought into becoming this character as possible i wanted to be believable i wanted to go beyond uh that line that you referenced last week 
between or, you know, that I, I went beyond the line of, of being just a performer and I was a real actor or actress, you know, portraying that individual character to the best of my ability. Right on. Um, the next part that that I took away with, I absolutely, uh, just going back and hearing it again, how funny this was about her story about going all the way back when she told the story about how she saw Halloween 1 for the first time in a drive-in movie theater when she got to go with her sister and her sister's boyfriend, <laughs> and she felt like she was just so excited that she got to go and then, like, her sister threw on the windshield wipers right at the right time and scared the shit out of her. You know, it was just that was that was a funny story. And I found myself going back when I was listening to this, really getting the humor and not just being uh, an interview guy. Uh, and I just had to had the opportunity to sit back and really laugh and appreciate that uh, in its full story. It was great. Well. In regards to that part of the story, uh, Marianne, you're plucking at my heartstrings referencing your your parents' Chevy Malibu Classic. Oh, my goodness gracious, I I can imagine. But, you know, to an even greater degree, wow, Stephen Crane, hats off to you, dude. I I don't know what you did to create such an impression that, you know, the the younger sister of your girlfriend still remembers you, you know, 40-plus years later, but whatever you did, hats off to you, brother. Uh, <laughs> he was must an have made asshole. an impression. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, do you got anything else, or, or can we jump back in for the second half? Let's do it, brother. All right. Well, uh, this is Chris Morgan, Aaron Bass, and you're listening to Halloween Unleashed, and we'll, we'll be back at the very end. about this because I have wanted so badly to set the record straight on that mm-hmm. because um, I feel like a lot of people thought that was like so mean and horrible and I was upset about it. Um, I was just trying to be a little sassy and self-deprecating at the same time when I was interviewed for this documentary and I was actually told during the reshoots eight months later mm-hmm. after we were finished with the principal photography, we're on the set in LA eight months later and the casting director, this um, elderly man, Ross Myers. Yep. Is that his name? Yeah. He yeah. passed away in 2004. Exactly. He was obsessed with Paul and he he was representing Paul uh, as a manager. And so he was hanging around on the set and he was but he was the casting director mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, and we're sitting at a picnic table during our lunch break and out of absolutely nowhere, he feels it's appropriate to say to me, you know, darling, you have me to think that you are cast in this. 
and I was like taking a bite of my freaking sandwich or whatever. And I said, what? What do you mean? And he said, oh, my God. Dimension, Bob Weinstein, they did not want you at all. They thought your chin was too pointy and you were too thin. And I'm eating my sandwich and I'm just thinking, why is this man who has so much knowledge about our business because he's been um, a casting director for years and years and years, along with his wife, who uh, this woman, Mary West, who I've never met. But um, they were kind of like old school casting directors. And I thought, why is he telling me this? I've only seen to shoot the next few days. And now I have to be like paranoid about my chin. I never even thought about my chin. As I, I swear to God, Chris, as long as I had been alive, I never thought about it. And being thin, I was young. I mean, I'm sorry. You you have a high metabolism when you're young. You can you can eat hamburgers and French fries and get away with murder. And um, I just thought it was hilarious. At the, I did, it didn't devastate me, but I feel like a lot of the fans thought it, like it devastated me, and it was so mean and cruel. And I just want to say, I, I didn't bring it up to elicit, you know, pity or sympathy. I brought it up because I thought it was like very funny. Um, you know, tongue-in-cheek funny. Like, can you believe a casting director would say this to an actor? Um, and I, I, to this day, I have no idea why he said that to me. It's very bizarre. Um, you know, no one would ever say that to an actor who had, like, a bunch of scenes to shoot because they know that actors are very self-critical oh, yeah. and self-conscious and you wouldn't want to do that. Absolutely not. But, yeah. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. But I, it, it's weird that that uh, that Russ Meyer would say that about Bob and Harvey Weinstein, considering what came out in recent years. Uh, so, you know, it's obvious bad joke here. You don't. Well, no, it was only about it, Harvey Wein. Harvey had nothing to do with dimension. Right. As far as I know, it was 100% Bob's company. And, you know, Halloween 6 was, uh, you know, the second movie they did. Um, But Harvey Weinstein had nothing to do with it. But I just thought it was just funny. Like, especially when I look back on it now, it's like, are you kidding? Great. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Right. Like 25 years later, I watched the movie. It comes on, you know, AMC every Halloween season. And I live in Sleepy Hollow, New York now. And they make such a big deal about Halloween. And I see it. And everyone's 
saying like, oh my God, I saw you last night on Halloween 6. You were awesome. <laughs> and I've watched it and I'm like, none of that is true. Like at all. Right. Uh, it's just, it's silliness. Well, definitely, I, I appreciate you clearing that up because in, in doing my research across the Internet, that was the consistent thing that kept coming up. And I'm just like, I have got to put this question in here just so that we can get some clarification from her perspective. So well, I'm so glad you did, because, yeah, I've been asked about it a lot and I felt a little guilty or just bad that I would even thrown it out there in the documentary. Um, but I just thought I was, just, you know, I was just being self-deprecating. Like, oh, yeah, they didn't want me because they thought I was, like, ugly and bad. Um, and uh, I didn't think it was going to catch on. But it really did. Because I think there's a lot of people out there who who know what it's like to feel self-conscious and so they related to that you know being criticized for your physical appearance when you can't really do anything about it and so I think a lot of the Halloween fans latched onto it because they felt like you know that's bullshit when when did the cast get together to take uh, some of the you see it appear in the behind the scenes stuff that Dan shot and then you see glimpses of it in the producer's cut. When did you get together with your quote I've unquote, never, I've family? never, I have never seen this. You haven't? No. I'm going to link you. There's no. so much I have to link you to. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. I am guilty of being a Gen Xer. And, I am um, too. I, I, I haven't, I haven't, you really? You're Gen X? Yeah, I'm definitely not a millennial. You were a millennial. No, I was. I, you know. Well, yeah. good, good. 77, well, 78. No, you know. no, no offense to millennials out there. None. But um, none at all. Uh, so I never saw. Uh, was this part of. Like, you said Daniel took footage, and like, I, I never saw it. Like, yeah. What? Um, from from you guys' part of yeah, uh, from from you guys' first day on set, and like it was during the whole like breakfast scene and all that because that was your first day of shooting. Um, but there was he was going around like with his with his high eight camcorder, and he has this footage. Where can I see this? I'm gonna link you to it as soon as we get off here. Um, but I, th- I thought you saw it. So I, I this, this is all news to me, but no, is this part of the, the whole, uh, producers cut? Like, uh, no, this is just Dan shooting behind the scenes stuff in between takes. I mean, you're, you, you get in there at one point and chit chat with him as he's walking around. Uh, George is in there at one point, like with the mask and all that. Uh, Mustafa's there. Joe Chappelle's walking around looking like a chicken with his head cut off several times, so you'll probably get a kick out of that. Um, but there was there was these pictures of Kara and Danny, and of course Deborah and John, 
and like these little family portraits popping up and I'm, you know, hearing like it was only a week. I'm going, when did you guys get together and shoot some of those family portraits? Cause I know that they probably could have pulled you to the side and done it outside. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you recall doing, taking those pictures at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, it it was before I started. I mean, it was either the same day or a little bit before. Uh, I don't know if that was literally my first day of shooting. I, I mean, I do remember um, having to go pick out the glasses that Kara was going to wear. And I do remember taking the photos with Danny. Um, uh, uh, it was, it was there in Salt Lake City. It was not in LA. It was definitely in Salt Lake City. It may have been the first day where we shot the, the breakfast scene, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking it was like maybe the day before or the day before that. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah. What was your opinion of, of Salt Lake City in general? I traveled out there in 2012 we stayed at at the Hilton, the same place that you guys got put up. What was your what was your opinion of the city um, itself? I know you were busy, but did you get to take anything in of the city at all? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we had days off, you know, we had one day off, um, and uh, I loved it. And uh, Paul and I went out, and we had a blast. And everyone was like, oh, I bet you can drink there because, you know, it's, uh, you know, Mormon town. Right. And I was like, no, not at all. What you do is they they can, any good restaurant or any good restaurant that has a bar, they call themselves quote unquote, or this is the way it was back then. I don't know if it is still this way. They called itself a private club that's so all right. you had to do is pay the admission to the private club which that's was right five dollars so we would pay five dollars and then we'd give us this little ticket that basically said we were okay to be in the private club uh and then you walked in and it was a perfectly normal restaurant and bar and yep we could have a glass of wine, and uh, it was a blast. And there's also this amazing downtown area of Salt Lake City that had, like, vintage clothing stores, and I bought this vintage um, suede jacket that I have to this day, Um, and I love it so much. It's so cool. So everyone who thinks like, oh, Salt Lake City, that that's Mormonville, and it must be really conservative and uptight. And I've had to explain to them, no, 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 that is not Salt Lake City. I'm sure there are aspects of Salt Lake City that are like that, and if that's, you know, what you choose to follow, of course, but sure. yep. that wasn't that wasn't my experience. I loved it. I thought it was a very beautiful city. Um, it was definitely oh, fun. Yes. 
definitely fun to drive in having like the like the mountains in the backdrop and everything and then um you know we you know we did a ski trip there on our last day and i mean of course we did the we did the bunny hill things because we weren't going to go down the big mountains but um, of you know we did the we did the snow tubing and all that stuff which was which was fun i mean we were out there in like mid-february so you know it was still cold oh, out wow. there wow so yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was still pretty cold out there but it was um it was cool because like as i'm driving around and looking at some of this stuff the snow was still on the ground and it was just really drawing me back to always hearing how how cold it was when you guys were 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 filming so um wow. yeah so it, it it almost felt like in a way like when i got to talk to the guy that owned the house and all that stuff it really felt like i was almost getting taken on a tour after you guys had just left almost in a way because the wow. snow was still there and then I'm I'm talking to the guy that owns a house and then yes he is still pissed off about them cutting down the tree out front he's still mad about that uh, you know what's amazing I had no idea about that whole scandal he blames I mean, it all on I, you I, by I, the way of course <laughs> um, blame it on me um, but uh, yeah I I had no idea that they'd cut down, you know, a hundred year old tree for uh, the filming of the movie until I listened to your interview with Daniel and I was like, Oh my gosh, there were so many things um, uh, in your interview with Daniel that I just had no idea about because as an actor, you're kind of kept away from that stuff. Sure. A little yeah. bit like you're just not, you're not invited in on on the whole thing, and uh, yeah, I can so understand. I didn't that. know that. Yeah, but yeah, I bet he still is pissed about it. His, but you know, as, as Daniel said, he he was paid. Exactly, but his his exact words, and um, I I wanted to save this just for your episode because of what he said. <laughs> I'm like, Marianne's gonna get a kick out of this. He said, "Yeah." He goes, "Apparently, they needed to cut the they needed to cut this damn tree down for some half naked girl just for her to look out the window." And I just, I kind of laughed. But getting getting to know you and then revisiting that story with Dan, I'm like, I have got to tell Marianne about that because that was that was great. Oh my goodness! Uh, are you sure he's not talking about Mariah's? Well, I guess it is because I did have to go to the window, right? And I see Paul in across the street, and I slam the curtains shut because mm-hmm. um, I think it's creepy. Oh my goodness, that is too funny. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I cannot believe he said that. I wanted. I, to... I, I certainly didn't know that. My goodness. I mean, I really didn't. I, I was wanting to tell him. I was wow. like, well, you know, you have 20 bedrooms here. Don't act like you don't have 20 wives sitting in there. You know, this is a Mormon state. But I did. Yeah. So most Mormons um, are, you know, pretty cool people. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was I was very, making very a, successful. I know you were kidding. I was making a stupid, dry sense of humor joke that I do every once in a while. Yeah, and I know that about you, and I don't know why I just responded to that, like trying <laughs> to explain to you. It's okay. That's I the know. part I love about it. I know it. you were kidding. I know you were 
<laughs> so um, any fun casting crew stories that you can share about in between there, like leading up, like after shoots, on, on days that you were off, um, any fun, oh, crazy yeah, stories? Yeah. Tell me. Oh, yeah. Uh... All right. Welcome back. And uh, this is becoming a common trend is I got you again. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, you, just the right moment, too. Um, you know, I, I was all queued up because, you know, she's she's ready to start. I mean, it sounded like, like she didn't have, even have to think about her answer at all. I mean, like she had, you know, stories like, you know, on the go, ready to start rattling them off. And then all of a sudden the audio cuts out and I'm like, son of a bitch, she did it again. Yep, like I said, becoming a very common trend, and uh, I pride myself on that. Like I've like I've mentioned many times. So, um, you know, well, though, I I absolutely love. You know, you made reference last week, brother, about how there were times during the during the interview where you were you almost called her Kara because yep. yeah, I I love how her for lack of a better term, how her girl next door persona is so genuine and real. I mean, she, and this is no, this is no kind of crack on her, Marianne. It's no kind of criticism, but no kind of criticism on you at all whatsoever. But, you know, she basically tiptoed around <laughs> describing the opening scene and events to Halloween one. And, when she did that, I just sat back and I smiled and I was like, yeah, now I can, com I can completely understand why you almost called her Kara at certain times during the interview, because that girl next door persona just, it's so genuine and it shines through and it's just, it's a credit to her and her, you know, you know, her, her level of character as a human being. Well, um, it's it's funny because uh, I just I shot Marianne a text while we were talking about her and uh, I just said I just wanted you to know Aaron and I are talking about you and uh, <laughs> she just wrote back she says uh, I thought my ears were burning she says hi say hi to Aaron for me <laughs> so there's, there's a hi from Miss Marianne to you well, hello to you back Miss Marianne and. Thank you very much again for having sat down with Chris for the benefit of all of us fans to be able to, you know, not directly pick your brain, but have Chris pick your brain and just have all of us, you know, uh, sit around the campfire with our popcorn and just enjoy every minute of it. Absolutely. Um, well, jumping in here, um, a lot to unpack in the second half. Um, I am so glad, finally, since for the past 15 years, Dimension Films, Miramax, etc., etc., and for right reasons, have caught so much hell because of the things that she said on the Halloween 25 Years of Terror DVD when she was saying that, uh, oh, yeah, the, they, they didn't. Miramax didn't didn't want you. 
They thought your chin was too pointy. They thought you were too thin, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember telling her, I was like, you know, I know I spent a lot of time angry over that comment because I'm just, first of all, it's not true. Uh, she's a very beautiful woman, uh, always has been. And, you know, it angered me because I'm like, how dare they say that, say that about somebody? And maybe that's part of the reason why they're in so much trouble that they're in now. But anyway, but, um, but the comment was actually from a guy from the casting director, Ross Meyer, who passed away in 2004, actually, and um, actually came from him not on not on the not pre shoot, not during the shoot, but eight months later during the reshoots while she's sitting there eating a sandwich. I just thought that that it, and. I've never heard Ross Meyer talk, but the way she was impersonating him, I'm just like, that guy sounded like an a-hole. <laughs> you know what, man? No disrespect meant to the dead who cannot be here to defend themselves. Okay. But if he said it, all offense meant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no disrespect meant to the dead, but the guy... And I'm sure she, I mean, just from her, uh, just from her Joey's agent impression, you know, from friends that she did like without missing a beat. I mean, she transitioned in and out of that character with, I mean, flawlessly. That was, that was like, that was crazy. But I mean, the way she referenced them, I mean, the guys, honestly, I would think the guy, I, I'd be curious to know how many drinks he'd had before he had that conversation with him, because I swear to God, the guy was probably talking out of his ass. I mean, what an a-hole. Yeah. I mean, I'm what not trying to sound to like make. a, yeah, exactly. I, especially to somebody that is, I mean, she's not established herself, you know, she's an up and coming, but she's not established herself. And I mean, it's like, dude, what the hell are you trying to accomplish by passing along a comment like that? That's why I said I'd be curious to know how many drinks he'd had or what pill or exactly he'd pop before he had a conversation with her. Because at that point, it just sounds like, dude, you're talking out your ass. Well, for he, real. I mean, well, what a way to be an a-hole. Well, he definitely didn't pop a blue chew, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Not trying to sound like a... I, you know what? Not trying to sound like a perv. But, you know, uh, she was too thin. Uh, no, she looked plenty damn healthy to me. And, I mean, she referenced her metabolism, you know. And to any of us that are, that are past our 30s and, and yeah. so on, we know and remember those, those high metabolism days. I mean, I, for one, I used to be able to pound down two to three Big Macs or Whoppers in one sitting back in those days. And now... Now it's gotten to the point in the, you know, to borrow, uh, borrow the words of Adam Sandler. Now, if I have a milkshake, my ass jiggles for a week, you know, <laughs> dude, I, I remember, uh, and I don't mean to sidebar, but just on that comment, I remember last time we sat here and we were drinking beers at my house together. You said, well, there goes, uh, there goes that beer. And I'm going to be wearing that one for the next three to four days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that leads me right into my uh, my very next thought was I I, I had to laugh uh, when she uh, 
when she thought that you when she did not realize that you were part of you know of of our generation the gen x and oh, she yeah. thought you were a millennial <laughs> no was... disrespect to anybody out there that's you know that's that's younger in their years than us but if you're not gen x then you don't understand and you know stay to your lane because that's your lane and if you're gen x then you understand and you know, we're we're the attitude generation from WWE. Yeah. Moving forward. <laughs> um I found it interesting that she lives uh in, in, in Sleepy Hollow, New York, and people talking to her all the time about Halloween six and how they watch her and that that has to be a pretty neat uh feeling being being in that town and then, you know, uh being kind of a Halloween town all all in itself and People talking to her about, hey, I just saw you on the Halloween Six. That that I thought I thought that was pretty neat. That's beyond neat. That's awesome, Marianne. You have to host a house party or a block party or something like that. And please invite us. Right. I'll, <laughs> I'll dress up as Barry Sims. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh uh, damn. And then uh, Aaron will dress up as your brother Tim. You can be Kara Strode, and then we'll finally taste the the Tim Strode fa- the Tim Strode famous stomach pounder. Oh yeah, the stomach pounder. That's right. And I've got the mop top for it right now too. I'm in desperate need of a haircut. Who isn't? I know, right? Um, I'm I'm tempted to break out the shears and just do it myself, but I know what the end result would be. That's why I'm like, no, let's not do that. We've done that before, and we know we were in high school, and the hair regrew regrew pretty fast. That's why we were able to get away with it. We're not going to be able to get away with it nowadays. Well, I actually asked my lawn guy the other day. You know, it's like if he could just you know put the blades up far enough, and I just lay my head down in the sand, and he can just drive over the top and give me a nice little trim, but. He said, through due, due to insurance purposes, he couldn't do that. So, if I was you, I would just hand the shears over to Jacob. Well, it couldn't even couldn't be any worse than what Beavis and Butthead did, right? <laughs> Damn, we're smooth. Well, you know what? <laughs> after the pictures, after, after the caliber of pictures he's taken here recently, uh. I, I would have faith in him to be able to do his daddy's hair up because I know that his number one concern would be doing a good job. Well, yeah. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, I seem to have caught her a little bit off guard, which is not a big deal, but uh, you could definitely tell that nobody has ever asked her about like some of the family behind-the-scenes shots that were that were there. And that's just the reason I brought that up is not only that I see them in the Daniel Farron's shot footage, but, um, also like in a lot of movies, you'll see like these, you know, happy family shots and stuff on the walls with them posed and put together. And you're like, well, you know that they're only together for a very short period of time just to shoot the movie. So, when do you get time to do that stuff? And, um, you know, she had kind of, she kind of lightly mentioned if she was going off of going off of memory that, um, you know, chances are they did it like the day before the day of outside while they were setting up or whatever the case may be. And I just found that, 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 that pretty interesting. And I was, 
I was happy that I got a chance to to ask that question and to hear her perspective on it. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know what it means. Uh, like when you guys made reference about Salt Lake being labeled a Mormon town, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean. You know, the guy that owned uh, the house that was used as the Myers house. Right. And how he was bitching about, you know, uh, the tree that got cut down uh, so some half-naked chick could, you know, look through a window. And, you know, I, I heard that, and I'm thinking to myself, I was like, okay, well, now which is it here? Okay, either Mormontown is the place to be, or or you're, like, you know, ultra-conservative. Which is it? Which, if you got multiple wives, how the hell can you be ultra-conservative? But, dude, seriously... If I'm talking to that guy that owned that house, it's like, hey, old man, are you seriously bitching about that right now? I'm sure if you go back and you watch the movie, you'll find that the casualty of the tree was an acceptable and worthwhile sacrifice. Okay? Not trying to be a perv, but go watch the movie. I'm sure you'll find that the end result was a, you know was a worthwhile sacrifice for a single tree, not to mention the fact, as Daniel alluded to, you got paid. Get over it, dude. Yeah, she even made reference to it too that 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 he got paid. So for what you got paid for what he got paid, I'm sure you could replace the tree. And the fact that it happened in ninety four and when I met him it was two thousand and twelve, so eighteen years later he was still pissed off about it. <laughs> You know, for all that time he spent pissed off, he could have went and got more seeds, replanted the tree, and by the time he was bitching about it 18 years later, he could have had a nice little sized tree built up there. He could have went and got himself some happy little trees. Yeah, and then he'd have been all happy about his wood. <laughs> well, well, no, Blue Chew's not playing the paying the bill this week. <laughs> Um, what I found, uh, kind of, kind of interesting was that the fact that a lot of places out there are dry and you can't get, uh, you can't get liquor or, or, or drinks and they had to go, uh, Marianne and Paul had to go to a private club and pay to get into the private club to be able to have wine with their dinner and have a couple drinks. I just thought that was extremely interesting. I thought that was extremely interesting too. I mean, you know, yeah, for sure. Well, um, I thought we had a lot more to unpack on Ross Meyer, but you know, you kind of made me dial myself back. Um, when you said, and I'll do respect to the dead or whatever it was that, that you worded. And you know, that was, I was going to take the moment to kind of motherfuck him for every Halloween six fan out there. But you know, when you put it like that, I'm like, I can't do that now. <laughs> you know, otherwise, I'm a dick. <laughs> well, you know what? When I first heard that, <laughs> I'm kidding. The first I'm thing joking. I, the first thing I thought of was, you know, in a reverse psychology type of situation, maybe he was simply stating that, you know, as a way to try to get, you know, uh, the actress that he was talking to in this case, Marianne. Maybe that was his old school way of trying to like, you know, cause you know, out of Marianne's old mouth, she goes back and she looks at it now and she's like, Hey, I look good. <laughs> yeah, like, yes, for sure. Did. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you did. 
I'm glad you recognize that. I mean, yes, you did very I, I, much I, so. I, you were very, very healthy looking. I am definitely and, uh... not shy about saying, you know, 17 year old me had a had a big crush on her. So you yeah. weren't the only 17 year old that had the healthy crush. But yeah. I mean, she looks pretty damn healthy to me. So it's like, what the fuck are you looking at? Excuse my French. No, it, it it sounded like perfect English to me, but um, <laughs> over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk uh, to her extensively about her meetings with Mustafa Akkad, um, her dealings with Donald Pleasance on the set. We're going to get into all of that, and then we're going to get into some of the different experiences that she had on the set, and of course, we're going to get into the reshoots and when the film came out and all of that good stuff over the next couple weeks. We've got two episodes left and then we have our live show. And it's, you know, it's funny that her series is going to end with six parts. And I think that is a perfect fitting for Halloween six. That is ultimately fitting. And I'm so glad to hear you say that there's still two more offerings uh, to be had for her interview because plus a live episode, plus the live episode, because when I, uh, Honestly, dude, I'm I'm not gonna lie. When I heard you, when I heard you pose what ended up being this week's cliff, you know, cliff hanging question to her about if she had any, you know, uh, any funny or crazy stories, you know, about you know her interactions with the other cast on set, and then it cut. I thought, I, I you know, at the you know the first couple of seconds, you know, I was hung on that cliffhanger question. And then all of a sudden, it, it, it kind of hit me. It hit me right in the gut. I started thinking, I was like, oh, man, that must mean that we're, like, winding down and we're, we're getting to the, you know, the, you know, the final couple of uh, entries of, of her interview. And I just, I could not, it was very deflating. It, re- it really was because it's just, you know, I'll, I'll echo the same thing that I said to you last week. Which you know you uh, originally said to her, you know about your entire interview with her is, you know you could sit there and listen to her talk for hours, and you know I I very much echo that sentiment and you know when I, when you got to that question you know when it dawned on me I thought oh man oh shoot is, does that mean we're only you know we've only got one more offering before you know this is all over with and then you know and you relate to me like no we've still got two more chapters to go. And then the live episode, which is great, but you know, at the, at the same time, it's like you know we're past the halfway mark here, and you know I've I've loved every single minute of it, you know, as a fan, and I have been I have been truly uh, you know honored and and blessed to be able to participate, you know, in on the fun, you know, on this level with you, and uh, I, I just. I look forward, you know, to the, you know, to the, the, the two forward offerings, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, I just, it's one of those things where, you know, where you, it's like, get, it's like, you know, getting to the end of a movie that you just absolutely loved and you realize that, hey, this movie's about to be over and the, and the, and the credits are about to start rolling and you just, you wish you could, you know, rewind back to when the movie started and just go through it all over again because you just loved every single minute of it. Or a really intriguing book. That too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, that's going to do it for me. Do you have anything left, or can we go ahead and put a bow on this one and uh, invite everyone back next week? 
Uh, I really don't have anything else to offer, man. All right. Well, um, that will do it for part four of Marianne Hagen. And I, I echo everything uh, Aaron said about her being so willing to join us. We thank each and every single one of you for joining us every single week on Halloween Unleashed. Uh, for those of you out there that are listening, want to join us, uh, follow us on Instagram, follow, uh, come join the Facebook page and um, help us grow that as well. And uh, there's still time to get a Marianne Hagen signed poster, Halloween Unleashed. Um, shoot me a direct message on any of the social media platforms that, that you follow us on. If you're looking to grab one of those or at least get some information, I can get you that. But until next week, we this this will do it. We are out of time, and we will be back next week for part five of Marion Hagen. Thank you. This is the Halloween Unleashed podcast. Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed. Be sure to download, rate, and subscribe anywhere you download your podcasts. From Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And then join our social media channels at our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. On Instagram at Halloween Unleashed. And on Twitter at HWeen Unleashed. Be sure to share our episodes in your horror groups on your timeline and on Instagram. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Halloween Unleashed.